Welcome back to part two of Emotional Incarceration. I'm Fly Girl TW, and we're going to pick right up with me adding my two cents to the question or feedback that Barry provided. So keep listening. Barry, thank you so much for for that point because I want to make sure that I share with you about being uh, an adult survivor of incest, right? I'm going to go all the way back from the incident started because it's over a seven-year period from age seven to 14. I was not only physically incarcerated during those times, um, I was also emotionally incarcerated because of the fear. Linda's joining and Linda, thank you so much for taking the opportunity to join with us. I know you're connecting to the audio, so hopefully you can hear us. But ladies, don't worry, I'm recording this episode so that anything that you missed, you'll be able to listen to afterwards. And if I'm talking about the emotional incarceration of being molested and, and, and raped, incarcerated, right? I was not able to escape the situation at the time. But emotionally incarcerated, I was that for many years after that. And the mm-hmm. fear of, of what that person told me would happen to my mom. The fear that no one would believe me. The, and that fear stayed with me until my, probably my birth. Mm-hmm. No, my, my mid-20s or so. That behavior and that activity stopped at age 14 by threatening threatening him but it took me years seven years to even get to the point where I would say that fear was real and I could not agree with you more that a lot of the emotional incarceration that we have regardless of who we are or what situations we um, encounter throughout our lives fear has to be one of the top emotions that kept us incarcerated otherwise it wouldn't be effective the rest of the time that God allows us to be on earth because but as each day that we wake up, that means he's given us another opportunity to be more authentic and live our best lives ever. So so thanks again for joining and you can stay on mute and just listen or you can join the conversation and I really would like to open the floor just in case, you know, our listeners do have a comment that, you know, it's our passion that all women live free of these emotional tangles that we put on ourselves become aware of how we could be self-sabotaging us to live our unauthentic life as opposed to our most authentic life. Like, let me ask you, when you think of emotional incarceration, how do you feel emotionally today? And if you're not incarcerated today, what were some of the things that you had to focus on in order to get this freedom? I feel... I'm very comfortable and confident in my emotions today. However, one emotion is stamina. And and that's because I have an MS. And um, it impacts being able to do normal day-to-day things. It's more impactful today than anything. I, I, I'm, thank God that I, I feel so much more um, comfortable in my skin, like we are talking about, today than I did years ago because if I didn't I definitely would not have the stamina to continue to move forward. I feel peace of mind 
but I know that on a day-to-day basis, I still have to have to consciously focus on that stamina. You don't automatically know it. And sometimes it takes somebody else from the outside to make you even aware of a lot of these unconscious ways or some of those learned behaviors that we done picked up along the way, our family dynamics, you know, um, our family dynamic, you know, let's just say, uh, for instance, one of those generational curses of a poverty mindset. You have the great grandmother who um, raised her children on welfare, had two daughters, those two daughters got on welfare. It is there to help the underprivileged. But then you have this mindset, well, mama did it all her life and was fine. No, we didn't have the best, but it was okay. So it's gonna be okay for me. Then I have children and here my children see, oh, mama goes to get food stamps. I'm talking about the mindset, the curse, the learned behaviors. And so you have four or five generations who never, who depended on the system when there was a way out. They did not know. The whole family dynamic thought they were doing what they were taught to do and did it the best they could curses with these behaviors so a generational curse the behavior doesn't have to always be negative it doesn't always have to be mental health it doesn't always have to be uh, alcoholism or drug it could be complacency that has been wreaked throughout the whole family no one wants to go to school no one wants to better themselves no one and it took one out of the family to be fearful of becoming up just like the rest of them And so they decided, nope, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be determined. Like you can't blame them because they weren't conscious of the limitations that they set themselves under. Terry, this is Linda. I was just wondering, are you saying unconscious or subconscious? Unconscious, unconscious. You're not aware. I was just going to say, if you, I, I understand what you mean by unconscious, but what is the difference in unconscious and subconscious? Maybe. Yeah subconscious and I get where you're going with that Linda I want to jump in here because Terry actually I'll go back to challenging you a little bit because I believe that sometimes we know it's time to change sometimes we know we have poor behavior or where we let our emotions incarcerate us or we um, recognize that unresolved trauma it takes a lot of work to live an emotionally healthier life and so that subconscious comes from yeah i know all these things are effed up but i really don't have the stamina or the knowledge or the will or the skills to get better the unconscious i think is is sometimes an easy way out for people because oh i didn't know so of course you do because you see the generation after generation generation. so just like that one person decided i'm gonna do better i'm gonna be better they knew if they're all raised in the same household, there is a level of consciousness. It's about whether you choose to be conscious or not. And so I think that's where the subconscious comes in from is I, I have a, a fair enough understanding of what's happening. I just am not prepared or willing to do the work to get better. Does that make sense, Linda? Yeah, that's sort of because I was thinking with unconscious, you're just not aware. You um but as you go along and you have things that you've learned just like from childhood on up, if you 
take the case of, well, you know, you're going to stay in poverty because that's just been, I mean, you're aware that you're in poverty because right. you know what's going on around you, but you continue to um, stay in that because of, you know, what you're not aware of is how to get out of it. And you have to learn that, um, right. that you can't break that cycle, that you're not yeah. just going to be continue to stay into that so that's what I was trying to you know um get the um as far as you know and these things that these feelings and things that we have in our minds are it's it's almost like it's layers and layers and layers of stuff that we Mm -hmm. have to peel back and Mm -hmm. continue to work with it's been there for years and it's not just gonna you know overnight just get it go away and I do appreciate that there's maybe some level of unconsciousness. You know, what I know is it is time to put the big girl panties on and just recognize, yeah, I know we're poor. If you don't, then you're keeping yourself incarcerated. If you do, that means you're willing to look for that key, find it, put it in that lock, and open it, and continue to move forward. But I, I don't want us to leave the impression that poor little poor poor me for me all this stuff happened to me and therefore i have no level of accountability because accountability counts to making my life better to feeling stronger emotionally to knock down that six by six because it is about us being aware being conscious and then um making a decision to move forward and facing the ugly truth and you can't do that if you wallow in the level of unconsciousness or far The next generation shouldn't have to wait so long. Then that next generation shouldn't have to wait so long. The- Even the political side of it is things that we feel like we should be able to teach our kids for something that they don't like, then politicians are making laws to prevent that from going forward is the certain books that they read and how that they're going to censor. And I understand the book, but, but you know, when you think about it, it's almost like their legislative is just taking over as far as, mm-hmm. you know, restricting a lot of things that we would normally just, you know, talk about with our kids. And I just wonder what you think as far as that is concerned. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Yes, go ahead, Monty. I want to go back to the generational thing. Like you was talking about, we sometimes have taken that. This is the lifestyle. I'm old. Right, well, you're right. Not old yet. It's a step up. That's mm-hmm. what it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. So then the person that gets confident enough, conscious enough to realize mm-hmm. this is not what I want my life to be. Sometimes fear, fear comes in that, well, if I do this, what's my family going to think? They they going to think that I'm better than they are. That's not it. And then we get caught up in what other people may think about us because we want to move forward. Yeah, right. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yeah. It makes sense. Okay. You lived it out. Yeah, yeah. So, so then that they are stuck in a place where they really don't want to be, but they're afraid of what their family may think of them. 
Right. They bet you think you better than me. Da 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 da. Okay. So now to go back to Linda's point about educating our children, we as parents and grandparents have the responsibility to teach our kids what is right, not what the government says is right for us. Because these are our children. And so if we raise our children the way we spiritually and knowledgeably know how to, we don't have to let the government tell us how to raise our children. Yeah. I also think it's sometimes that, that, about that's my point. And, and, and when you talk about the politics, like, well, I don't think children need to learn this, that, and the other. It's always somebody else telling us what they don't like and what they don't think that may never even affect them. Exactly. So, so think about how a lot of men want to make decisions about what we do for our bodies. It has nothing to do with you. It's not about you. So that's the entitlement that I think. So I think a lot of the, the decisions that come down from political aspects of what we should be teaching our children, what we should be eating, how we should be moving, especially as women of color, it comes from people who are not women of color. And so stay out of our business. And I agree with you, Mom, that when it comes to education, unfortunately, we can't always depend on those uh, an educational standpoint, you know, those educators. We can't depend on them, and we certainly can't depend on politicians. So then the responsibility falls back where it should be in anyway, and that's in our home. Um, which is also where the most incarceration begins. It's also where um, self-identity begins or that self-identity crisis. It's also where we feel that love. Because Terry, I'm going to go back to you because you went kind of around it. Feel more self-love today than you did last year. Did you feel more self close to your identity today? than you did last year because this is about growth. So I'm just asking you specifically, do you feel like you're growing through this movement? Yeah, I've, I've had a very growthful year. Um, very growthful. I've had things to come across my path that I wasn't prepared for that made me challenge myself. To be able to be on this show with you today is a growth for me uh, from last year. Um, but I hope that we continue to make this program to make us look in the mirror to look for more growth no matter where you are or how comfortable you feel you are you live in a world that is very easily you know uh we could be sabotaged by some of these things that we emotionally feel. And so it's important that we be not only healthy physically so, but we have to be healthy emotionally so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Auntie brought up some good good points about, you know, um, you try to break what's the norm in your, in your families and you worry about, you know, well, they're going to think that I've, think I'm better than everybody else you know I'm, 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 I'm all this well you know that kind of stems into this last year of us talking about that self-identity crisis those are things that help us 
you know, see ourselves worth or lack of it. You know, what did you go through that you were worried about what they thought of you? You know, how did you act? And Linda, to answer to your point, you know, unfortunately, we the people chose the government. So we're under the rule of the government. Well, I won't say some of these politicians, I wouldn't say I chose. It's just once, once the, you know, the politicians are in place and they set these laws that we being, you know, under those, we have to abide by those laws. And it almost goes back to what we're saying as far as our growth, because we have to continue to grow. You know, and the things that we've done, you know, that are different from what we were last year, we have to stay on that journey because if not, what we'll do is find ourselves incarcerated back into mm -hmm. that mindset that we were in before. And one thing I thought about was, is that you take a person who's been in prison, you know, first thing they've, they're thinking, I don't want to go back. So, but there's more to it than I just don't want to go yeah. back because you can't go back into the same stuff that you did that brought you where you were. So we have to acknowledge our growth and then we have to continue to grow. You know, the adults are sending so many mixed messages and maybe a child is taught at home mm -hmm. things and then maybe he may go or she may go to her teacher at at school and ask questions and the teachers say well we can't talk about that but, you know that's against the law and then of course the child is sort of confused because well my mom or my grandma they talk about it yeah. why can't we talk about it here and and then therefore we're incarcerating their minds you know as far as growth i think i think that's great that you've grown last year and that you continue to grow and not go back to, or find yourself back in that same frame of mind. Linda, you bring up a good a good point here. And one thing I realized is that no matter how I wanted to stay the same size when I was 13 or 14, my body kept growing. No matter how much I wanted it when I got that sharp, short haircut, no matter how much I wanted that haircut to last, my hair kept growing. We're going to continue to keep growing, but how are we growing? Are we growing more uh, authentically? Uh, you may not have heard it at the beginning of the show, before I asked me about what keeps me emotionally sane. And for me, I can't separate it from my spirituality because everything in my life revolves around my spirituality. Because I believe what God said would happen because I've seen it happen. And the word said, charity starts at home. Generational curses start at home. Self-identity crisis starts at home. Emotional incarceration starts at home. Until we go back to what happened at home, and start to break the Legos down and start to rebuild on a firmer foundation of what's true. My girl knows her truth. And so what she does tomorrow should be based on her truth and not a unshaky foundation of what mama thought of me or what That's uh, right. That's right. Me. Saying one thing out my mouth, but living an action of something that's totally different. Mm -hmm. I'm really thankful for all the comments, guys. I want to tell you, sis, 
any comments before we close out? I, I am just glad to be a part of the discussion. Very you good? Thumbs up? And then, Linda, any final thoughts from you? Well, I, I did participate in, and I think I'm glad to be part of the discussion as well. And I hope that in this year that I will get into more of the discussions because I think it's helpful to see how other people feel yes. and what yes. they think. And yes. we all build from each other and support each other. So I think that's that's really important. And you learn some things too, you know, you learn. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Linda, because you make it even more rich. I like the fact that you come in and give your comments and concerns and valid points because it, we have people in Sweden and France and Belgium listening to these shows. We just scratched the surface of emotional incarceration. We're going to continue this journey so that we all can live our most authentic life. Yeah, my, my final thoughts, it's time to understand that even if our family or our closest friends might hate on us a little bit, wanting to be better, that we we'd be better anyway. Because we, this is about self, not about anyone else. It's about self. And as Terry mentioned earlier in the show, the better we become, the better our circle becomes because they see us being more authentic. Next week, I really want to continue this conversation about emotional incarceration, but I want to talk about next week how it impacts our intimate relationships. Because that's a whole nother story, right? And so, once again, I'm... Terry and myself, I am Flag Girl TW. Peace and love, guys. Have a wonderful, productive week.